late March that we were farewelled by um, the evening service uh, to go to the UK. We've been going for, uh, this was our sixth trip, um, and we went there, um, got there in early spring, and it was about seven degrees, but anyway, it did warm up eventually. And uh, we were there three and a half months and ministered in 15 churches. So what we thought we'd like to do this morning, instead of just preach a message, we will give a bit of a report of some wonderful things that the Lord did on the trip, uh, maybe share a bit of prophetic stuff for the church. And I, I want to finish with just a um, brief exhortation. Uh, 15 churches, uh, lots, hundreds of people through our schools of the supernatural, wonderful things. But one of the most exciting things is the, uh, the Lord brought more than 180 people to himself, which was great. And uh, over 90 of those, yeah, give him a hand. Um, over 90 of those were first-time decisions. And just one story, um, meeting a woman at Glasgow that gave her heart to the Lord for the first time, she said um, she'd been brought up in a traditional church, and at age seven, she took her first communion, and she was told that by taking communion, she was really taking the body of Christ. She said, I took it, nothing happened, and I figured it was all a fake, so I walked away. And now 30 years later, you know, God was actually saving her properly, and uh, she was radiant, so... You know, every, every soul that comes to the Lord is a story, isn't it? And uh, so we were thrilled to see that. And then the Lord did some amazing healing. So Greta's going to share a few of those. Right. I just very briefly report that if you recall, shortly before we were due to go overseas, I fractured my foot and God did that amazing miracle of healing the bones and, rem and bringing a bone fragment back into place. And, and I can testify that, that I have been running literally all over the countryside in the UK from the top in Scotland down, <laughs> dragging him with me. And, you know, I praise God I can run as if nothing ever happened to my foot. So... And, you know, God is restoring healing to the church everywhere. And just this morning, Father said this to me. It greatly pleases me when my children believe my son, Jesus. And, you know, these testimonies about healing, these are people that have just simply believed Jesus, like, like I believed him to do that for my foot. And if you're in need... Of a, of a healing touch from Jesus. Just simply believe him today. That's, that's all he wants. And he's the one that heals by his amazing power. We have many testimonies, but I'm only going to share a couple because of time. We had one lady who had suffered for 30 years, that's a long time, with extreme pain in both of her wrists from arthritis. And in one of our schools, an ordinary person and it's, remember, it's the era of the every, God wants all of us healing and ministering it to others. She was completely set free after 30 years, and she was able to move her hands and use her hands like she hadn't been able to for all those decades. In another church, it was in Birmingham, a lady came up to me after the Sunday service and she just broke down in tears because she was so distraught. She'd come to the end of her tether. She had ruptured a disc in her lower lumbar area of her back. And it was, it was in pieces. And she was in such agony. She had been for six weeks. She didn't know what to do with herself. And the painkillers, nothing had helped that the, 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 the doctor had prescribed for her. 
and prayed for her healing. And do you know, God did an instant miracle. She was 100% healed there on the spot, and she was able to bend and everything. So, you know, God had that word that we're entering this time where mountains of impossible sickness, disease, and injury will go. The Lord is going to unleash great miracles. And we are beginning to see this, and we need to have that expectation for it to ramp up. And I'll just very briefly, lastly, share, we were in Dunedin a couple of weeks ago, and God's doing the same thing in our nation. Uh, it doesn't just happen way far over there overseas. Uh, the, the students there are so hungry for God. And they of the, we had many people healed over the weekend during the school and the meetings. But, you know, they organized their own healing service and they advertised it widely over campus. Many people came, including a whole lot of skeptical medical students who just came to mock. That was the only purpose in coming. Well, this is what God did. He healed at least 100 people. And one very skeptical medical student who'd come in on crutches, he went out the door carrying his crutches, walking and healed. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, great. We had, um, we had a number <clears throat> in our schools of the supernatural. We allow time for the Holy Spirit to touch people and had a number of encounters, um, or people had encounters with God. You know, we were in Plymouth, and there was a man on the Friday night. <clears throat> we were praying for people to receive the baptism of the Spirit, and about 15 or so people received that night, including this um, elderly gentleman. He said, you know, he said, I've been, I've been 50 years seeking this. He said, I, most of those years I spent in a conservative church, didn't really believe in it, and it's only just recently that I've come to this church, and now God has filled me, and he was speaking in tongues, so grateful for what God had done. Um, in another church, we um, observed a man, uh, he had been an atheist only a few months before. Uh, his m wife had managed to drag him along to church, and uh, he got saved, and um, and then a few weeks later, it was Pentecost Sunday, he got filled with the Holy Spirit. And um, Friday night of the School of the Supernatural, uh, I, yeah, it was like God slam dunked him. The power of God came on him so strongly, he couldn't stand up. He fell on the carpet. He must have been there for 10, 15 minutes. When he got up, he said, you know, he just was effusive about how he'd encountered God in such a real way. Well, the next morning as we were teaching on healing, someone prayed for him and his 10-year-old shoulder injury got healed miraculously. Uh, that afternoon, we were teaching on the prophetic and he prophesied over two people for the very first time in his life. And I thought, wow, Lord, here's a guy who's an atheist and in a few months, you saved him, you filled him with the spirit, you gave him an amazing counter with you, you healed his shoulder, he's released in the gifts of the spirit. I think God's awesome, don't you? And uh, we just... We, we just love to see uh, the hunger and what God is doing. In another church, um, a, a wave of laughter hit a whole lot of people. This sometimes happens in our schools. The Anglicans call it holy laughter. That's a pretty good description, I reckon. But God is releasing refreshing and joy. And uh, a whole lot of people started laughing spontaneously. And one lady, she was on the floor laughing probably 10, 15 minutes. 
and I observed her, that she was really having a good old time. And, but the pastor said to me, he said, that's amazing because what had happened just two weeks before our visit is that uh, this lady's daughter, who was a vivacious young woman in her early 20s and one of the leaders in the church, often up on the platform ministering, she just suddenly dropped dead. And, you know, the mother was distraught and the whole church was pretty taken aback. But here to see this mother wonderfully touched by God. And we had a similar incident um, in London where <clears throat> we were in a church ministering and we were just sharing about how to have hope in tragic situations. And a few days later, I got an email from the pastor's wife who said, um, I wanted to tell you about a very dear lady my daughter and I visited this week. She had tragically lost her 16-year-old son recently who had been stabbed to death. This dear lady had come to church last, last Sunday absolutely devastated. She told us that as the word was preached, she literally felt a huge burden lift from her chest as the Lord ministered to her. In fact, I can only say she was radiant as she spoke to us. She had really encountered God in an amazing way. It was was powerful. And so those are that's just a tiny bit of the stories of things that God was doing on the trip. So thank you so much for praying for us, sending us out. I know numbers of you gave financially towards the airfare, and I think about uh, nearly 80, 90% of the airfare was covered. So thank you so much. Um, I know that the UK is an amazing place. Uh, there is expectation, there is hunger, there is desperation right there because they're so much closer to the world problems. And uh, so God is doing something good in the UK. Uh, that same church that... Uh, with a lady who, whose son was stabbed. That was an amazing story in its own right. Um, uh, quite a large church in London, about 1,500 people, and they'd been in the middle of a building program. Uh, they were building a five-story church, an eight million pound building project, and um, that was getting near the, the, you know, the closing in stage, and they had bricklayers on site one Friday afternoon, 22 bricklayers, we're doing a lot of the brickwork, and the light faded suddenly. And so the foreman discussed it and said, listen, we can either bring lights in or go home. They made a decision, we'll knock off early. So the, the bricklayers went home, the foreman locked everything up um, and went, and about 10 minutes later, the entire structure collapsed. It was like the most amazing, amazing miracle of God that no one was killed. And, you know, uh, the whole of East London was cordoned off. But that church was still getting on. They were, like, dusting themselves off. And they'd hired the local cinema, three cinemas in the complex. And they were just taking that thing over on a Sunday morning and looking forward to building, recommencing. Just amazing faith. And don't you love the family of God? I mean, wherever you go, you hear these amazing stories, you meet people of faith, and I think one of the joys of heaven is going to be hearing other people's stories uh, from around the world. And um, Greta and I both felt, because we had a little bit more time in this service, we'd love to minister to the sick right now, And because um, you've heard some healings, and I'm, I'm just feeling strongly, I don't know if you've got something, honey, but particularly those who are uh, injured or in pain or you've got some part of your body that you can't move freely, if you'd like to stand to your feet. Mm. And I feel there's somebody here with cancer. The Lord wants to heal you. Uh, I sense bowel cancer. God wants to do a miracle. 
He can, he can totally give you a brand new digestive system from top to bottom. He can make it new. So, you know, if you have some chronic illness that causes you pain or lack of movement or um, I'm getting to people with shortness of breath and, you know, any, any cancer, any kind of tumor in your body, why don't you just quickly stand to your feet and, um, and we're just going to go for those categories right now. Put your hand on the part of your body that needs healing. Uh, if you can't reach it, just put your hand on your chest, and we're just going to ask the Lord Jesus to touch you right where you stand. And in a moment after we're praying, we'll, we'll, get, we'll get you to test it out by moving something, often in the act of moving. It's a statement of faith that healing flows. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you're the healer. You're here by your precious Holy Spirit, and all over this room right now, in the name of Jesus, I ask you to release healing anointing. In Jesus' name, we take authority over pain and injury, illness, tumors. In Jesus' name, shortness of breath, we take authority over that. In the name of Jesus, we release healing to you right now. Receive healing in the name of Jesus. Uh, the Lord heal you. Somebody's elbow is being healed right now. In Jesus' name, just receive healing. Uh, in Jesus' name, let the healing power of the Lord Jesus flow in into your body. Somebody's got a painful knee. Um, it's arthritic. Mm. Be healed in <coughs> Jesus' name. And that, that person with the bowel cancer, mm. I take authority over that spirit of affliction. Be set free and receive a brand new digestive system. Mm. Be made new your digestive system in Jesus' name. Receive uh, a miracle. Lord's healing back problems right now. Just begin to move your back. The Lord heal that in Jesus' name. Just begin to move a little and check it out. And um, some, some people just in the small of your back. Others, it's out to the side. It's like um, just, you know, um, just out to the, the, like the hips. And uh, in the name of Jesus, just the Lord heal you right now. All through this room, headaches. Uh, somebody suffers from recurrent headaches. Uh, they come and they go. And when they come, they're not pleasant. The Lord heal you from that uh, right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Just move. Just check yourself out. Uh, the Lord's healing people. Sometimes stuff happens instantly. Sometimes it's delayed. As you sit in a moment, just keep trusting God for healing. Just check yourself out and just try and move that part of the body that you couldn't move or test that part that was in pain and see if the Lord's done. How many, there's some change in your body. Just lift your hand over there. That's great. God's done something over here. There's some change over there. Uh, anyone else? Just lift your hand over there. There's two of you over there. God bless you. So the Lord's doing it. You can be seated. Just keep marinating in the healing presence of Jesus. And if you weren't in that category of people that stood, but you have a healing need, just keep reaching out. You know, I love what Bill Johnson says. Every testimony of healing prophesies what Jesus will do again. So uh, just keep believing as the service unfolds. Mm. I'm just going to briefly share something prophetic for CU Church. And this is the first word, spearhead for a beachhead. I've been continually getting this very vivid picture of a war map. And it, it, it was specifically of the D-Day landing on the beaches of France in World War II. And, and on these maps, you, you'll often see these big arrows of spearheads that represent battalion movements. 
And I feel that the Lord is forming and, and really sharpening the spearhead of CU Church to penetrate new enemy territory and to be a beachhead in Auckland and New Zealand. And I was aware that there were other spearheads, in other words, other battalions. Combined cooperative offensive will ensure victory for the kingdom. And I really feel that combined prayer meeting, I'm sorry, I'm in Australia, David and I at that time. That is powerful. That is, is part of this um, a combined cooperative offensive because it's a working together with other churches in unity of heart and mind that is a key to effectively impacting our city and our nation. And I sense for some of you as individuals that the Lord will use you as a spearhead to, to penetrate various spheres of society to bring his kingdom influence in a greater measure. And whether it's in the, the medical field, the educational, the media, uh, judicial, government, etc., all spheres of society, God is wanting the church to, to spearhead into that, that territory and, and claim ground for the kingdom. The word beachhead, this is what it means. Initial foothold that opens the way for further development. And Micah 2 verse 13 is the scripture that I feel God has for us as a church. The one who breaks open the way will go up before him. You know, this, this is all a picture of war. And, and uh, we are in a time of war now. But in the midst of the war, just like we read in Psalm 27, which is prophetic for this season, there is this, also a prophetic word for the church, New and breakthrough, spring and sing. Okay? Now, this all started in the UK where God was using blossoms as a prophetic sign. And everywhere I was going, Holy Spirit was highlighting them to me. David and I went walking through an apple orchard. The trees were laden with blossoms. We parked our car under a tree, came back, our car was covered with the blossoms. We, we exit accommodation. The steps have, they've deliberately, there's been a wedding strewn with blossoms because the bride is about to arrive. And that is prophetic. The blossoms, the, the, the bridegroom, is, his time is growing closer. And this is what I felt the Lord say from that prophetic sign of the blossoms. A new season is coming for the church. We are entering a new season of spring. It is a time of acceleration and explosive growth. And those abundant blossoms speak of the great fruitfulness that is to come. Spring is a time of the fresh and the new, never experienced before. So have an expectation of the new. God wants us to have that expectation. And Philippians 3.13 says this, I focus on this one thing. Forgetting what lies behind and looking forward to what lies ahead. And that's how we need to be. I feel for the church corporately and also for a number individually that dormant visions and God dreams will begin to bud and blossom and bloom. Like Aaron's 
rod did. It was like a dry stick, and it began to bud and blossom and bloom. And I feel for some of you here, it's like your God dreams and God visions. Um, You've utterly lost hope because you've been waiting too long, and hope has died. It's like those dreams look like the dead, dry bones in Ezekiel's valley. But when the, the Spirit breathes on them, they come to life again. And God says to you, envision big, dream big. The Lord is about to do far more than you can ask or imagine. Here's the if. If you simply keep travailing in prayer, you will prevail. And for some of you, it will be soon. God's timing is different for everyone. God himself will break through and break out. And I just felt Jesus say this, call to me and I will come as the king of the breakthrough. My heart is toward those who are in desperate need of a breakthrough here today. I really felt his heart of deep compassion. He knows exactly who you are. You're in desperate need, and Jesus knows it. And he says, call to me, and I will come as the king of the breakthrough. 2014, I believe, is a year of breakthrough. And in the, in the prophetic, a year means the season continues thereafter as well. A week ago, I, I saw... a. A large angel, and what he was carrying was very unusual. It was an enormous, enormous sledgehammer. And you know how when you need to break through a wall, you use a sledgehammer. And I felt that the sledgehammer was, was a symbol of the breakthrough that God is going to be releasing. Now, with the season of spring... It is also the season of singing and of joy that is coming. The winter is past. And the Lord spoke to this, this to me so strongly through the Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. Uh, the, the extract, see, the winter is past. The rains are over and gone. Flowers appear on the earth. The, the season of singing has come. And the cooing of doves is heard in our land. There's another if. If we choose to keep singing, despite our situation, that is what God wants us to do. That was one of the most profound lessons the Lord taught me um, when my first husband, Ron, suddenly dropped dead, and I went through that journey of grief to keep singing, to keep blessing and praising his name, no matter what, no matter what. You keep worshiping and loving him. And then we will sing a new song and we will sing for joy because the season will come and you will testify as Psalm 126 says, verses 3, 5, and 6, the Lord has done great things for us and we are filled with joy. You're going to see these breakthroughs. You are going to experience the season of spring in the midst of war. Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. And the sheaves speak of that abundant, fruitful harvest. Another reason why are songs of joy import, important? Because I believe that radical worship of Jesus 
will be a feature of the next move of the Spirit. Singing is one of the keys. There are other keys to releasing the baptism of fire and fullness that is coming. It is a key to breakthrough in our city and our nation. Because when we enthrone Jesus as king with our praises, because that's what the Bible says we do, then the kingdom of God is released over our city. And when Jesus is enthroned, the principalities over Auckland are dethroned. So let us sing. Amen. I'd like you to find in your Bibles or open up your phone app to Acts chapter 16. Uh, verse 25, 26, give you a little bit of background to this incident just while you're finding those references. Um, Paul and his teammate Silas had been in Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey, preaching the Word of God. And then one night, uh, Paul had a dream. And in the dream, he saw a man from Macedonia, which is the northern part of Greece, uh, saying, come over and help us. And so on the basis of that dream, uh, Paul and Silas sailed to Macedonia. They entered a city called Philippi, and there they um, began to preach down by a river, and some people got saved, and uh, more people got saved, and soon they were preaching in the city, and then there was kickback, and some people didn't like it, and uh, the authorities were called. Paul and Silas were arrested. They were beaten with rods, and they were thrown into a dungeon, and there they are in this dark, smelly, damp dungeon, uh, in chains, bruised, bleeding. And so we pick up the story here in Acts 16, 25 to 26. It says, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken and at once all the prison doors flew open and everybody's chains came loose. Uh, I don't know about you, but um, it's, it's really easy to sing God's praises when everything's going right, isn't it? And in fact, the Bible says that. It says, uh, if a person is cheerful, let them sing. If a person's suffering, let them pray. That's good advice from the book of James, you know? And chances are this morning there'll be people in this auditorium that, who are very cheerful because you're in a good season. And the Bible says, make sure you sing and be thankful to God. Don't take that for granted. Just be really, really thankful to the Lord. And chances are that there'll be other people in this room who are suffering. And the Bible says, let you May you pray, but I want to suggest that not only do you pray, you do something else. Because you see, that's what Paul and Silas were doing. And uh, uh, they were praying and singing. Praying and singing. You know, when you're in a prison, those two things are very, very powerful antidotes to the circumstances that imprison you. Uh, you know, the devil tries to imprison us. Uh, he is like a taskmaster. He is like a jailer. And he tries to imprison uh, people in their sin, in their unbelief. He can, if he can imprison them and keep them out from Jesus, he'll send them to hell. He just likes imprisoning people. But even a person that's already believed in Jesus, the devil will try and imprison us in circumstances, in fear, in doubt, in sickness, uh, in, in situations where you're distressed. And I felt praying before I came that there were people in the meeting today that would be in terror 
terrible circumstances. And as Greta said, you really need a breakthrough. And the devil just tries to imprison us and keep us locked in those circumstances. And the thing that he'll also try and do is rob you of your song and silence you. And if he can stop you praying in your prison, and if he can stop you singing in your prison, he's got you right where he wants you. But if you know how to pray in your prison, and if you know how to sing in your prison, whatever that prison is, maybe a relational problem, a financial problem, a health problem, a problem of misunderstanding, needs that you face, uh, emotional trauma that you're going through, grief, uh, you know, people, uh, there's people in the meeting, you're trying to get victory over some kind of sin, and that sin is imprisoning you, and maybe instead of focusing so much on the sin, I must not do that, Maybe you just need to focus a bit more on Jesus and start praying to him and focusing on him and praising him for the victory that he won on Calvary for you because you know you can so focus on what not to do instead of focusing on him who set you free from sin. Uh, you can get out of your prison. Sin will not have dominion over you since you're not under law but under grace, Romans 6.14. And uh, so I, I believe God wants to set some people free. Will you start singing? And what the enemy wants to do in your prison is silence you, rob you of your song. And about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying. We don't know how long they'd been praying and singing for, but maybe it had been some time. But certainly about midnight, they got a response from heaven. Maybe they'd been singing and praying for hours. We don't know. Maybe it was just a little time. But about midnight, heaven responded. Don't you, don't you love it that it's always about midnight that heaven responds? Is it like just the last minute about midnight? I think that's kind of prophetic for some people here today. About midnight, you feel like, wow, time's running out for me. I, God, you've got to come through. And you know, God's an expert at turning up at about midnight. So keep singing, keep praying, and don't give up. Hallelujah. Because God comes in the midnight hour. And you know, it says the other prisoners were listening to them. You know, you got people all around you who are in prisons as well. People at work, people in your neighborhood, people in your family who are in prison. And when they see that you're imprisoned in a similar way, but you're praising God, you're blessing God, you're loving Jesus, wow, they are gonna take note. It doesn't say those prisoners were protesting. It doesn't say they were saying to the jailer, please shut these guys up. It says they were listening because they were impacted. Wow, who are these people? They're in chains, their backs are bruised and beaten. They're in this horrible dungeon, yet they're praising their God. Wow. People take note. And as they're singing, it says, suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. Not just the walls, the very foundations. I, that's a word for somebody. You're in a prison. Uh, uh, you've been walled in. I tell you what, when God gives you a breakthrough, he's not just going to break your walls down. He's going to destroy the foundations of the very thing that imprisoned you. He is going to go for the root, not just the fruit. I you, you just keep singing. I tell you what, you got maybe got some kids off in drugs and stuff like that, and they're in a prison, and you're singing over their lives. I tell you what, God's going to go after the root. God's going to go after the foundation of the problem and set them free. Not that they go back to it, that they stay free. There was a violent earthquake. The foundations of the prison were shaken. And at once, all the prison doors flew open and their chains fell off. At once, immediately, suddenly. 
And you know, when, when God sees you singing in your prison, when God hears your prayers in the prison, when God hears your praises in the prison, you know, the Lord loves our praise and worship every time. When we're cheerful, when we're not so cheerful, he just loves it when his children, you know, Jesus put it like this in John 4, the Father seeks worshipers. He just, he's just seeking worshipers and he loves that sound of worship. But you know what? When you're singing in your prison, that costs you something. That's a sacrifice. And when worship and praise has a sacrificial component, the ear of God is tuned to it like no other. And Father just begins to tune his ear, and he says, Jesus, do you hear that? They are worshiping me in their prison. They're worshiping me sacrificially, and God's heart is moved to do something. And sometimes it doesn't come in the first five minutes. Sometimes it's suddenly. Sometimes it's eventually. But wherever it comes, shorter or sooner or later, just keep singing in your prison. Don't let the devil steal your song. Keep praising him. Psalm 40 verse 3 says, He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in him. God's going to do that for people here today. He's going to put a new song in your mouth, not just when you get out of prison, not just when winter is over and spring has come. Greta talked about that winter season. We're coming out of it into spring. Don't wait for spring to come before you start singing. Even now in winter, even now in prison, start singing. It will attract spring to you. Listen, I'm not into hype and false promises made by preachers. I've just walked with the Lord over 40 years. I've seen this is true. It does work. It really does work. You know, I had a picture in the week. Didn't share this in any other, other of the services. I had a picture. Of me. I've been so burdened by our brothers and sisters in the Middle East who are losing their lives at the hands of radical terror, Islamic terrorists. And uh, many of them are losing their lives. And the Lord just, I was praying for them. Oh, God, um, strengthen the believers. Rescue and deliver those that need delivering. And those appointed to death, let them die a great death, giving honor and praise to Jesus. And Lord, deal with that murderous spirit in that area of the world and set the captives free. And you know, as I was praying, the Lord just gave me a, a glimpse. I saw just a huge, I, I saw a large number of people in heaven clothed in white. They were singing, they were dancing, they were rejoicing. And the Lord said, these are the new martyrs. You see, you, don't lose, you may lose your life, you don't lose. They were singing at the day of their death because they would not they would not convert to Islam. They were, they were staying true to Jesus. And now they're singing in heaven, hallelujah. And you know, the, the number of martyrs all through history, these are men and women, you know, they gave their lives for Jesus. You know, how much more should you and I in our emotional prisons, in our circumstantial prisons, where we're not losing our lives, but really we're in prison, how much more should we sing and praise God, amen, and give glory to him? You know, I feel like this morning, we shouldn't just talk about this. We should do it. We should do it. I, I, there's power in the song. And in a moment, well, in fact, right now, I'm just going to ask the music team to come because in a moment, we, uh, we want to sing a song called Spirit Breakout.
There are people in the room today, your prison walls, you need to break out of them. There are people in the room, your prison walls need to come down. The foundations of those things need to be shaken. And in a moment, we're gonna stand and sing a song. I want you to sing it with intensity. I want you to sing it with faith. I want you to sing to God in your prison. Maybe you're not in prison. Maybe you're in a cheerful season. Well, why don't you sing for others that are in prison? Why don't you sing for people you know, loved ones or friends that may be in a prison? Why don't you just sing over our nation? Man, are we in a prison at the moment where people don't know Jesus? Why don't you sing for the Christians in the Middle East who are you know, in a, in a horrible situation of entrapment and ask that God will break out on their behalf? Come on, church. We're going to stand. We're going to sing this song, Spirit Breakout. At the end of it, Greta and I are going to come and pray. Let's do what we're talking about. And however you feel this morning, Don't wait for the emotion of it. Just say, I am going to sing this with all my heart. I'm making it a plea to God. I'm making it a declaration to Him. And let's mean what we sing this morning. Thanks, team. Just lead us.